Welcome back, everyone, to the River Heights Buzz podcast. We're on episode 19 tonight, and we have another special guest with us. Yes, we do. <laughs> hey, guys. Uh, my name is Hugh Miller, and I, uh, I run the Nancy Drew Walkthroughs YouTube channel. I'm very, very happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us. Yeah. <laughs> we really appreciate it. We really like um, being able to reach out to other people in the community and kind of see what everyone's interest is within the Nancy Drew universe. Yeah, definitely. Well, there's uh, there's so many, and I listened to that episode you guys did with Kalina, but there's so many uh, diverse opinions on every single thing in the universe. So it's always cool to, to hear other other people's thoughts. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. Absolutely. Do you want to kick off the questions, Candace? Yeah, I just have, just out of my own curiosity, just a couple questions for you, Hugh, if that's yeah, okay. Yeah, totally. Um, I always think it's interesting to find out how people actually find themselves in the Nancy Drew universe. So I thought maybe you could talk about um, when you first discovered Nancy, what exactly it was that you discovered and kind of go from there. Yeah. So I, uh, I had first heard about the games through a friend, actually a babysitter. And we went over to their place one day because um, our families were very close and uh, she was playing stay tuned for danger. And I didn't know, I was like, five four years old at the time and i had no idea what she was playing but it looked amazing because we're uh, she was in or on the stage of uh, worldwide broadcasting and she was at the scene where you would cl uh, bring down the ladder climb up and go along the catwalk and um and i didn't know that it's a sound stage i thought it was like some secret base because it was all like gray and you're looking down and it was just the coolest thing and I'm like oh this is awesome and uh, that was the very, and she let me play a little bit, and that was the first time I ever played. Uh, and then she gave me five Nancy Drew games um, a few weeks later. So I got uh, number one, three, four, five, and eight. And the first game I ever beat was the final scene. And uh, yeah, it's just been uh, an awesome adventure since then. Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. It's actually funny that you say that because Stay Tuned for Danger was my first game as well. Oh, right so on. Yeah, it definitely holds a very special place in my heart. Yeah, definitely. Um, talking about that kind of um, area of Nancy Drew, um, I was going to ask you if you have seen any of like the merchandise that Her Interactive has on their Teespring website. Um, and if you have, if you have any of those pieces or uh, what your favorite um, kind of merchandise might be. Yeah, no, I've got a few of them. I've got the Deadly Device cover art poster. I've got, there's the, the render of the cabin, or um, the captain's cabin from Sea of Darkness that they did as a poster. And then uh, Jane's poem in her room from Blackmore. And I've also got that as a poster. Um, and then I got, I've got a Coco Kringle t-shirt from their old Amazon store somewhere. But uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's about it. I don't know. I think I... I like their merchandise, but I think they could do so many more things that they aren't doing, which is, you know, for me, kind of frustrating. And so I've, like a bunch of other fans, have sort of made their own stuff. Like I've got, I mean, it, I know it's a podcast, you can't see it, but I've got a Manette's mouse pad that I made. I've got uh, some tickets somewhere to the Persephone and Winter show from Labyrinth of Lies. I've got Brenda Carlton's business card, uh, just a whole bunch of stuff that I've made just because 
I wanted to have things that her interactive hand made. So, yeah. Cool. Yeah, totally understandable. They um, they have quite a bit of things on there, and I feel like every time I go on there, I see things that I hadn't seen before. Mm. Uh, but I agree with you. There there are quite a few other things that they could be doing. Totally. Totally. Uh, I've got a question. Yeah. <laughs> if you were to go on a road trip with any of the Nancy Drew characters, who would you want to go with? Just a regular road trip? And where would you want to go? And where would okay. you want to go? Okay. Um, <laughs> where would I want to go in the Nancy Drew universe or just where would I want to go in general? Or like based off of the, like the locations that the games have been. Mm. Oh my gosh. I probably should have thought about that that's a fantastic question um excuse me while i pull up the uh the game list here so i have an idea of uh where all these games take place uh or even if you or even if you wanted to go just like anywhere that's not nancy drew related yeah well (laughs) i think i think just doing a general road trip across america and hitting all the spots that nancy's visited like new orleans and um I guess there's no old clock doesn't really take place in a, an actual location in in the US, does it? Or is it? No, I think it's just a, a created just fictional, yeah. Um, yeah, but doing stuff like that, going to the Snake Horse Harbor, I guess I say that in quotes because uh, that, that's actually really close to where I live right now. Um, but yeah, I just I would I think doing a road trip across America, hitting all the spots, San Francisco would be awesome. Um, and if I had to choose one person to go with, oh my word, that's the impossible question. Um, <laughs> yeah, wow. Who would I choose to bring with me? Someone I think who would be interested in American history, um, just for fun. Let's say Professor Hotchkiss. She would she would know everything about everywhere, and I think it'd be she would be a joy to have. And, uh, you know, my, my name is complex enough, so I'd love to see how many times she gets it wrong. <laughs> it's a solid answer. <laughs> and how many times do you think she would want to go get chicken drumsticks? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, we'd find that's all we'd eat. We'd just go to the best uh, the best fried chicken places and, and uh, best cheese factories, all that good stuff. There you go. Sounds like a good trip to me. <laughs> it sounds all right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay, Um, I've got another question for you along the route of the games. Um, If you had your choice, which game would you want to see remastered next? Yeah, I've kind of stuck with the answer of Stay Tuned for Danger for quite a while. Uh, Just because, you know, they did the first one and logically it just makes sense that they would do the second one. Mm -hmm. But uh, I know you guys talked about this with Kalina, but there was the fan, uh, Julia, who made, like, remade Treasure in the Royal Tower uh, as, like, a 3D environment, which was absolutely stunning. Uh, Fun fact, she's actually the um, environment artist on the Amelia Darnell game that's being made. Um, Yeah, so she just did phenomenal work. But I think that was like, holy cow, I'd love to see TRT remastered. Uh, If I, you know, I'm not super picky. I think any of the first 10 games remastered would be just amazing to see. But yeah, I think Station for Danger is the one that I just sort of tend to go with. Right, right. Kind of along that thought process, what were your thoughts of Secrets Can Kill Remastered? I think it's kind of a hot take that some people really like what they did or were not pleased with what they did. 
Yeah, I mean, well, totally. It's yeah, I, I liked it. I, I I still like it, and I think that you know, even though it is a game you can beat in like 15 minutes, it's still it's still fun. And visually, it obviously looks way better than the original. Um, and I think the addition of Detective Beach wasn't exactly necessary, uh, but it was a bit of comic relief. But I think for me, it's just being in that, it's like a breath of fresh air to see these, you know, the lighting has improved and the audio is no longer like rough and scratchy. It's just nice and crisp and clear. And um, yeah, I, I personally like it. I, I, I like it. Yeah. You don't have that pesky two disc problem. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I know that's uh, that was <laughs> the worst thing. Worst spots. Yeah, no, it's definitely way uh, way nicer just to go from place to place without having to worry about any of that. Right. Yeah. Uh, I've got another question. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Out of all the games, which one would you want to see as like made into like a TV show or like a mini mini series of like a show? TV show or mini series? Oh man. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with the answer of I think Kalina said this too, but I'm gonna I agree that it's it's Blackmore Manor because there's just that world is it's so diverse and I actually just recently watched this amazing I say amazing in quotes this amazing film called um, Die Monster Die which if you guys don't know is actually one of the inspirations for Curse of Blackmore Manor and uh, you can just find it on YouTube and it's this like film from the 60s but it it's again it takes place in this old spooky mansion and there's a mother who is sitting in her bed behind this curtain and you never get to see her and it's this really mysterious thing and there's some weird creature stuff happening behind the scenes that you know this American comes to England to find out about um, but yeah I think it would just be really cool and I kind of have been writing a script for a bit of a prologue uh, to Curse of Blackmore Manor. I'll probably never do anything with it, but I just it's just fun to imagine, you know, what caused Linda to go through these changes and, you know, even go further into, if, even if it was just a series on just the Pendulum history rather than what takes place in the game, I think would be amazing because it's it, it got a pretty terrifying history and I think it'd be awesome to, to see that on screen. Oh yeah, that definitely makes sense. For sure, yeah. Do you have any more questions, Candace? Well, I think I have just one more for you. Um, so you have a pretty heavy um, presence on social media. You have your own website. You have the YouTube channel. You have all of that. What exactly, besides you know your passion for Nancy Drew, what made you start become interested in having an online presence just dedicated to Nancy? I think... I think it was more of just a personal thing. Like I, I started the channel just because I wanted to do it for me. I never did it for, you know, trying to get views or trying to get well known. I did it because I'm like I want to make I want to make videos on this because I'm passionate about it and I love it. And as you know, time progressed and I started getting more followers, then I was like, you know, I think there's just so much to this world that so many people don't know because I, I I still see people seeing things. Um, that I've known about for years now and they're just discovering it and that to me is so exciting and I just love being able to uh, whether I'm the one that's sharing it or whether someone else is sharing it and then other people are discovering it I just I love having all this cool knowledge all the behind the scenes stuff um, just sort of present and for me the website is that's like 
it's been my baby for the last I, I don't want to use that term my baby but it's I've just put so much into it just to try and make sure that it's as fleshed out as it can be there's as much information in one spot that people can go to um, and it's yeah it's really just been and it's also yeah and like I, I, I'm going to compare this podcast or uh, my answers to Kalina a lot but again it is just for me to remember all these things so that if I forget it like mentally then I'll know that it's on the website and it's there's something there that I can go and refresh my mind about but it's yeah it's really just been about just getting the information to an accessible place for players right yeah very cool Okay, well, um, Alexa, do you have anything else or are you ready to dive into the main topic of discussion this week? I'm ready to dive into the what we're going to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, um, for those listeners that haven't had a chance to look at our schedule that we have going right now, um, we just read Nancy Drew number 30, The Clue of the Velvet Mask. Um, so, Alexa, do you want to read the book description for us? Sure. A masquerade party quickly turns into a mystery when Nancy and Ned spy an enigmatic man in a black cloak and an exotic woman in a glittering Javanese costume. Are they members of the gang of wily thieves who sneak into parties hosted by wealthy citizens to rob jewels and painting treasures? Why is the owner of the black velvet hooded mask Ned found during the party desperate to retrieve it? To find answers, Nancy and George switch identities. George soon discovers that it can be both exciting and dangerous to masquerade as Nancy Drew. So the original was published in 1953, and then it was revised in 1969 by Grosset and Dunlap. Okay. I'm going to double check because I've read mine electronically as I typically do. Um, I wanted to see if it will tell me. I assume that I read the revised version because I think that's all that they have that's electronic. Yeah, it looks like I read the revised one. Yeah, I think that's what I read as well. Okay. Uh, And something that Alexa and I had discussed previously, I don't think actually we were recording at that point, but it was just a discussion between the two of us, was one of the versions of the cover was terrifying. Ah, I see. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at them now. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That one was really scary looking. Like, I couldn't even, like, I had the book just out on my desk, and, like, I can't even look at the thing. It scares me too much, so I had to flip it up. (laughs) like, the back cover. Yeah. Yeah. That's hilarious. I, I honestly didn't, you know, I'm not going to lie. So I read my copy through the, the Internet Archive and I was more focused on the fact that the uh, uh, whoever uploaded it shared a copy of the book from uh, a location that's like 20 minutes east of where I am. And I was more interested in that than I think I was in the cover of the book. So I honestly haven't even looked at the cover until right now. That is hilarious. That yeah. is hilarious. Yeah, and I mean, as with all the books, there are several different versions of the cover art, but um, I think the the main yellow jacket one that uh, most of us are probably familiar with is is the one that's kind of nondescript and terrible. Yeah, it's pretty great. <laughs> <laughs> so um, if you all are ready to dive in, I will get us started with it. 
Um, so as Alexa said, um, we open up the first page and it's like, we're right there in the middle of the mystery. I feel like I say this every time, like I'm a broken record, but it just coming in hot every time, <laughs> no time to waste. So Nancy's getting ready for a masquerade party. Um, and apparently the local police are looking for a gang that robs people during these parties. I mean, you know, it kind of makes sense. We've got a lot of people in one place, not really paying attention to their surroundings, just living it up, having a good time. You know, there are gonna be people out there that are gonna take advantage of people like that, sadly. Um, so Ned was going to take Nancy to this party at the Hendrick Estate in River Heights. Um, one of the girls that lives in that house was a schoolmate of Nancy's. And um, we find out that Bess and George are at the party with their dates, uh, Bert and Dave. I always have to say I enjoy it when Ned's friends are also involved um, in the books. I wish that they could make that a thing in the games. I agree. Yeah. I think that would be a lot of fun. So it's not just Nancy and Ned. Maybe in the future. We can yeah. Fingers <laughs> so Nancy and Ned drop their coats off and Nancy starts looking at like the valuables that are around the house, knickknacks that are just around, you know, to decorate the house. Um, they enjoy the party. They're having a good time dancing. They decide to go outside for some fresh air and Nancy realizes that she misplaces her mask. Um, they then see a man trying to climb a garden trellis to get into the house. Um, but once he's discovered, he takes off, gets away, and he drops a mask himself. So Nancy grabs it because, you know, she's at a masquerade ball and you have to have a mask. So she grabs it and they go back inside to try to find the man. And that man cuts in line to dance with Nancy. Kind of brazen. It's always good. <laughs> <laughs> One of the notes I wrote was like, even in one of the games, Bess and George were like, watch out for sneaky people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I remember that. That's yeah. great. That's a good example of, of this right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so the man ends up slipping her a note and then takes off again, just as mysteriously as he showed up. Um, and they think that it means that a heist is going to happen there at the estate while they're there. Um, so Nancy and Ned decide to kind of split up and Nancy decides to go up the stairs of the estate and she sees a woman in an oriental outfit. And then the next thing we know, lights go out, Nancy gets grabbed and the house was robbed. All of this happened very fast. Oh yeah. It's like in a matter of like 10, like five, 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah. I mean like it was literally like they show up, they find the guy. Uh, he and then he dances with Nancy, and uh, yeah, it was just like snapping yeah. into place. Yeah, it was so fast. Yeah, but. I find it kind of interesting that um, these stories were written so long ago, but I almost, in some instances, think that they're faster paced than some of the games, even. Oh, they totally are. Totally, yeah. I mean, like, I was thinking about that today. Actually, I was, um, I was just thinking, man. If this were a game, how would it work? How would her interactive have turned this into a game? Uh, because it's a very, I mean, the books are all very clue-based and the games are all very puzzle-based. And, you know, I would love to know how her interactive would translate this to an interactive game. But um, 
yeah and again because you know there's no worry about about time that uh the player would have to solve a puzzle or talks to talk to someone nancy they'll just skip ahead a week and nancy's like all of a sudden you know it's friday and it's the fourth of july and she's able to start sleuthing again you know right but, yeah, 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 it's kind of interesting because it's kind of like what we talked about in our second uh, almost bonus episode last week when we discussed Secret of the Scarlet Hand. It's like you make it halfway through that game before the actual mystery has even happened. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, for someone who just randomly picked up that game and didn't necessarily read the description, you'd be like, <laughs> what am I supposed to do? Like, I'm confused. Oh, totally, <laughs> yeah. And it's almost like you're twiddling your thumbs through like the first half of the game and like, what's going to happen? When's this thing going to start? Like, yeah. Yeah. Ordering packing peanuts and picking up shards of pottery. And then all yeah. of a sudden, you know. Yeah. Like, and then the alarm hits and yeah. you have a heart attack because you're not expecting it. And <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> totally. That's it. <laughs> so, um, like I said, first robbery, not necessarily first, but the first one involving Nancy um, has now happened. Uh, they call the police and the police show up and think that it's a multi-person job. I mean, it would have to be considering no one knew what was happening. The lights were cut. Nancy was grabbed. I mean, there was a lot happening. There's no way it was just one person. Totally. So Nancy asks if she can keep the mask for evidence and she lets the police know that she'd be more than happy to help. As per always, you know, Nancy is always helpful um so uh one of nancy's friends named linda seeley um she knows her through the party and um linda works for like a company like an entertainment company that i guess kind of is in charge of putting on these um various different parties dances concerts that kind of thing um i think she's also a friend of nancy's from school if i remember correctly um Linda is actually at the party because her boss, uh, Mr. Tombar, who we will get to in a minute, <laughs> not a fan of him. You can't see me, guys. I'm like face palming myself. <laughs> yeah, he's literally the worst. And uh, can I just say that when Nancy's like, I'm going to keep the mask and check it out, like, I've never heard of that happening before. <laughs> Yeah, in real life situations, like no, that's not a thing. <laughs> no, that's not a thing. But in Nancy's world, it's a thing. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> this is mine now. <laughs> but I mean, Nancy, at this point, we're thirty mysteries deep, so she's you know built quite a, a name for herself. Yeah. Very trustworthy. Um. So, uh, Linda. Like I said, um, works for this entertainment company who assists in putting on all of these parties. And she is attending that particular party because her boss um, was not able to attend. And so she ends up getting questioned by police, you know, because at this point they don't know who's involved and who's not involved. And considering she was part of the planning process, she might have information. Um, Thankfully, the Hendrick family who owns the property where the party took place are not angry about what happened, but they want Nancy on the case. So clearly, like I said, her name precedes her. So um, we learn that uh, I think it was Ned's cousin is going to be throwing a party later that month. Here we go again. Yes. If you're, you know, skipping time. Yeah. Um, Ned, uh, Ned's cousin is throwing a party 
And that entertainment company, I think it's called Lightner Entertainment Company, is going to be um, hosting that party as well. And the owner, Mr. Lightner, is now terrified that um, another theft has happened at one of his parties and he's scared he's going to be sued. Totally understandable. Totally. Oh, yeah. Definitely get that. I mean, it's a major liability when you have a company like that and you're the one in charge of throwing the party and making sure that everything goes off without a hitch and then you have multiple parties where multiple thefts happen. Like like in a row. Yeah, like one after the true. other. Yeah, yeah, totally. So um, Nancy's dad, Carson, is taking the case, but he has to be out of town for some other litigation that's going on. So Nancy becomes his assistant. And inside, I'm like dying of happiness. <laughs> <laughs> in case you didn't know, I work in law. Um, I'm not. Oh, you attorney. do? Okay, cool. Yeah. I'm not an attorney, but I'm a paralegal. So um, essentially, like an attorney, but I didn't go to school as long and I don't have to actually argue in court. So <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> a lot more stressful of a job. Um, but when that part of the book came, I was very happy because I was like, oh, <laughs> Nancy. Uh, right on. <laughs> so um, Nancy, you know, jumps headfirst and she decides that she's going to start looking into this entertainment company, trying to learn some information from the inside out. I mean, that's a great place to start. I think, I mean, there, this company is involved with all these thefts just because they are the ones that are throwing the party and getting all of that together. So, I mean, where else would you start really? Well, exactly. And since she already has a contact, it's just like, yeah, I mean, it totally makes sense. Yeah. So let me see. Sorry, I'm looking at my notes and I have a ton of them. I, I get so <laughs> winded, so I apologize. Um, so uh, she is shown the wardrobe room because apparently this entertainment company, alongside of actually throwing these parties and organizing them and getting them ready, they also rent out like costumes and things that would go along with costumes. So Nancy is shown the kind of storage area where all of those items are at. And she sees a cloak that looks very familiar. And it was actually one that has a missing piece of fabric that matched the one that was caught on the trellis that the, you know, the man was wearing it when he was trying to get into the second floor of the Hendrix estate. Um, so of course, Nancy's intrigued by this, wants to learn more. Um, then all of a sudden an assistant that was helping her, um, they went to go find the head of the company, Mr. Leitner, to show him the cloak. But as soon as she gets back, it's gone. And John was not there to, to keep an eye on it, pretty Correct. much. Exactly, Correct. yeah. They both walked away, left it alone. I mean... Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> just, you know, don't do that. Never a good idea. <laughs> So um, Nancy's trying to learn some more about this cloak, who rented it, where it came from, that kind of thing. Um, turns out that apparently a man by the name of James Flaubert from a nearby town um, near River Heights had actually rented the cloak for that occasion. Um, and Linda was actually the one that handled that transaction. Um, apparently. But, but <laughs> with paying attention, we learned earlier that Linda had told Nancy that the company didn't have those kinds of cloaks. 
So I was thinking, that's kind of strange. Yeah, Are exactly. Or do you just not know? Like, kind of curious, but moving on. So uh, Linda begins to look uh, into the transaction information and she claims that it wasn't actually her that did the transaction and that someone had used her initials instead of her. Okay, so now we're getting a little bit deeper. And wouldn't you be able to tell your own handwriting? If you were the one that did the transaction and you're like, that's not me. And like, couldn't you tell like that those are, that's not that my is handwriting. Genius. That <laughs> is genius. That's true because it's not like today's world where all that kind of thing would be done electronically and there would be a much harder way to tell if you actually did it or not. Mm -hmm. That actually makes sense. That <laughs> is so funny. Good point. I didn't think about it that way. So, again, Linda's a little, little shady looking, but we'll get there. We'll figure yeah. it out. So, um, Nancy decides to call the police. Um, they look into that person's name, that James Flaubert, and they find that it's a name that apparently doesn't exist. This is funny because it reminds me of another book that we read where Nancy just calls the police and she's like, hey, look up this one person and all of your ways of looking up information and let me know if this person's actually a person. Like, that's something that would happen in the 50s. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not like they can hop on Google and... The, yeah, their, their databases are only so extensive. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, I'm going to look past it because it's Nancy and Nancy can do no wrong. <laughs> so... Um, let's see. So the cops that showed up at the party when the police were called after that robbery, um, they suspect Linda because, like I said, she's involved with a company that threw the party. Um, she can't really give a whole lot of information. So she's looking kind of shady to the police as well. Um, Chief McGinnis, who Nancy is buddies with, police chief of River Heights said that they had been tailing the company for two weeks, but they hadn't really learned anything at that point. Um, apparently Linda's boss, Mr. Tombar told the police to watch Linda uh, and he called Linda flighty, which I thought was really rude. A little bit. Like for, super rude. Yeah. Unnecessary. Um, Can I just say that with Mr. Tombar, I wouldn't even call him Mr. <laughs> yeah, how how rude he yeah is. yeah he really i don't even think yeah in my notes i didn't even call him mr i just called him tom bar <laughs> <laughs> i was in other episodes too hugh like if someone does something rude to nancy or one of the other characters i bring out the minette line i'm like how rude <laughs> <laughs> brilliant calling him out yeah that's awesome so um Let's see. At this point, uh, Nancy and Linda grab a bite to eat. And Linda kind of goes a little bit into Tom Barr's um, just ridiculous office behavior, essentially. She says that he's like a horrible boss. Um, he takes two-hour lunches. Okay. What's up with that? Rude. Um, and it's just generally unpleasant. Like, very difficult to work for. Um, just makes everything a lot harder than it needs to be. So, um, Linda decides that she's, you know, got to get back to work. She doesn't want to get in trouble. And about that time, Nancy sees Tom Barr leaving in a car that has a lot of mud on it. 
So I'm like, hmm, kind of an interesting description. We must need that information for later. Exactly. So Nancy hails a cab and she tries to follow him, but I guess he realizes pretty quickly that he's being followed. And so he speeds off and gets away. And so kind of scrap that idea and move on. Um, so uh, Nancy finds out that the next party that the company is going to be doing is a wedding and that there are going to be plainclothes officers there to try to head off any potential robber of, you know, completing another theft. So um, there's another detective there by the name of Detective Ambrose. I don't like him either. <laughs> Fair he, enough. He, he was rude the whole time and condescending. Yeah, he was. And he was, I think he was just really trying to just get in, get out and call it a day with yeah. everything that he did. Yeah. yeah. Which, I mean, I understand you have to be professional. You can't really get emotions into it and all. But I mean, if you're that cold and callous, I don't see how that's going to help you. Totally. Get it done. But, you know, to each their own. So they apparently had been tipped off that there was a man that um, spoke with an English accent that they needed to be aware of. Um, and so uh, the next thing we know, uh, Detective Ambrose had found this man who has an English accent, but he claimed to be um, an Earl of some country, Earl of Contrae, I think he said. And apparently he knew the mother of the bride. Um, so you know, Nancy and Ambrose are kind of dealing about with that. And uh, in the meantime, the wedding gifts were being held in a room upstairs and someone was sneaking in trying to get away with all the silver gifts that were given. <laughs> you can't let the guard down for two seconds around these people. No way. No. So they decide to go upstairs to check because apparently there was a guard that was in the room with the wedding gifts, but, you know, not to be ageist, apparently he was an elderly gentleman <laughs> and probably shouldn't have been at that post. Um, so they go up there, they find him unconscious, of course. Um, the thief ended up being the man that had danced with Nancy at the prior party. She recognized his voice. Um, but it looks like the thief took off and nothing was taken. Um, the elderly guard, bless him, was no help. <laughs> Said he was grabbed and that was all he knew. Um, so didn't really get a lot of information out of him. Um, Nancy decides to go home at the end of the evening and Bess and George are there. Uh, next thing we know, Nancy gets a phone call and it's a threat to drop the mask that she took at the cemetery in the next 24 hours. Yeah, that's always a lovely note to be getting. Yeah, I couldn't imagine getting some kind of phone call like that, telling me to do something like that. Um, and it's funny how Bess and George are always able to read Nancy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. just either they really, really know her or she needs to work on her poker face. One of the two. Well, they, they reference that in uh, Shadow, Shadow at the Water's Edge when they call Nancy and they're just like, uh-oh. Nancy's like, what? They're like, I know that tone of voice. <laughs> Are you solving a case again? Maybe. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, if Nancy's awake, then she's typically in the middle of the <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, for sure. <laughs> kind of is how it is with her. Yeah. 
Um, so of course, Nancy being the stubborn girl that she is refuses and says, she, you know, she's not going to leave the mask. And this is when she kind of takes the time to actually look into the mask and she finds that there are a bunch of numbers that are inside the lining of the mask, which is interesting. Um, so her dad calls and she kind of explains what's going on, what had happened and that she had found these numbers inside of the mask. And he immediately thinks that they're dates, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so day goes by, she calls Linda and she finds make out- a point that someone was actually eavesdropping on that conversation, like the yeah. whole thing. Yes. Because Nancy yes. heard noises outside. <laughs> yes, you're correct. Um, of course, yeah. So eavesdropping, another um, theme that we see a lot in these books. Um, so the next day, Nancy calls Linda and she finds out that there are parties scheduled for all of those dates except for one. Okay, interesting. Um yeah, here's where in my notes it says that Nancy's dog Togo starts barking and they figure out that someone was lurking near the window and before they could do anything, that person took off. So, I mean, you know, it's how it goes. Um, that night, Nancy gets a telegram to meet her dad out of town and uh, he asks her to bring the mask with her. But kind of shady because she had just found out that her dad was supposed to come home the next day yeah no, i was like that right away it's raising red flags especially bringing the mask like yeah mm -mm. i know like why can't you just bring the just the thing that had the numbers on it like that's that would have been enough exactly enough exactly so already thinking that it's sus so (laughs) (laughs) she um talks to Bess and George and she wants them to stay with Hannah, the housekeeper, because Hannah is, you know, really concerned. She kind of views Nancy almost like a daughter because, you know, Nancy lost her mom all those years ago. So of course she's concerned because, you know, she's heard these stories of these robberies so far and it, everything just sounds really bad. Um, so uh, George ends up insisting as soon as she gets there that she wants to dress up as Nancy to try to confuse these potential thieves um, sounds like a great plan until you get to the execution of the plan. <laughs> and everything goes horribly awry. Oh yeah. So they get their tickets, they get everything ready. They get on the train and the plan is sort of working. And then the next thing we know, George is given something that makes her pass out and she gets kidnapped off of the train things are escalating very quickly at this point um pretty quickly once the kidnappers start going through the bag they realize that they don't actually have nancy that it's someone that's dressed up as her and of course they're aggravated by that they don't want to be you know outwitted by a teenager um so Nancy and Bess, you know do their best to get off the train find a police officer tell them what happened um, you know, not realizing that at that point, kidnappers had realized that George was not Nancy and they essentially kicked her out of the car and left her on the side of the road. So. Poor George. I know. And put through the ringer. She had a rough go of it this way. <laughs> so they find George and she's okay. She's kind of drugged and out of it still. 
and she was threatened essentially you know they don't say exactly what was told to her word for word but um whatever is told to her scares her enough that i mean her whole personality changes from what we've seen in in other books and in the games um she's become very timid and on her guard and just scared and doesn't want nancy to have anything to do with what's going on with these robberies um this almost seems like best behavior yeah but like extreme best behavior and she's like this for the rest of the or not the rest of the book but most of the remainder and it's just like oh my word what's actually going on yeah it's like a complete like 180 personality flip um george gets checked out by a doctor and she's okay she just needs to rest not have any visitors um i get tickled anytime that they get seen by a doctor because it's always the same kind of scenario you know (laughs) need any visitors go home and rest and that's about it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, you know, after the plan went horribly awry, Nancy and Bess go home. Nancy calls her dad's hotel. Um, You know, he's already gone, and it's pretty much confirmation that the telegram was, in fact, a hoax. Um, So they finally get in touch with Carson. He gets up to speed with what's going on now, and, you know, after some gentle persuading, he allows Nancy to continue working the case because, you know, she's told him, you know, you asked me to help you with this. You have other things going on. You know, I just want to see this through to the end. True Nancy fashion. Um, she goes back to the train station while um, George is kind of convalescing, trying to come to. And she finds this metal tag on the ground. And I got really tickled at this because I was a little bit confused at first. turns out that it was what they called a charge plate for a department store and that puzzled me for a minute until I realized that's kind of what credit cards used to be before we have what we have now Mm. so back in the day they would have like a machine that they would literally like they push like a not like a lever but for lack of a better word a lever and it would kind of read the card not electronically obviously but that's how they would charge an account um so it took me a minute to realize what they were trying to say because you know obviously we don't do that anymore that's not a thing (laughs) with the technology we have today um so for lack of a better word whoever the person was that dropped it dropped a credit card for a department store um Turns out that it was a department store in River Heights called Taylor's. Um, So Nancy went there and talked to the credit manager and he confirmed that, yeah, the card belonged there and that um, a lot of the employees were issued one of those cards. Um, So Nancy's trying to figure out how she can track down who might have misplaced theirs. And... um, the manager begrudgingly decides that he will help Nancy, you know, despite saying that he was essentially really put out by what she was asking for. Um, <laughs> rude about it again. Um, but he agreed to pretend that all the cards needed to be turned in so that the employees could get new cards so they could see who wasn't going to have a card to turn in. Um, so Nancy's satisfied with that and she leaves and decides that she's going to try to follow Tom Barr again. Um, 
but he ended up not going to work that day. So that plan was kind of foiled um, as well. Uh, She ends up having lunch with Linda, who says that that cloak still hasn't shown up from earlier once it was uh, taken from their wardrobe room. Linda then invites her to the next party um, that is to take place, which is actually, um, for lack of a better word, like a concert that's going to happen on June 21st, which just so happens to be one of the dates that was in the mask. Mm -hmm. So something's going to happen. You can feel it. Um, So Nancy shows up. Tom Barr is there, uh, said that Linda had to work somewhere else, despite the fact that Linda told Nancy she was going to be working that event. So foiled again, as far as that goes. Tom Barr literally getting on my nerves. Yeah, yeah he's worse. Like he's popping up all over the place to work <laughs> lots of times. Like you are not wanted here. Goodbye. No. Yeah, and if he, he yeah, if he's not wanted, he will like convince whoever doesn't want him there that he needs to be there for some reason and then like all this time it's almost like if he is like forcefully being like yeah i need to be there give me a reason to be there that gave me the reason to be like he's probably part of this whole plot to get all these expenses totally right away oh yeah yeah i mean he has all the information for all these parties so Mm -hmm. yeah makes sense it's my job yeah so um a maid said that there was a woman in the coat check room upstairs that was sick quote uh nancy of course goes to investigate and the woman was actually up there stealing jewelry go figure why would (laughs) why would some woman just be in the coat area unattended okay yeah like if i was out (laughs) in the world and I was at a party, and I started not feeling good. That's the last place I would go. I would go to the <laughs> bathroom if I didn't feel good. But okay. Yeah, for sure. Really weird. Yeah. Anyways, so it turns out that the woman that's up there stealing the jewels was the woman who had the Oriental outfit on at the Hendrix party, that first party that Nancy went to. Um, Again, next thing we know, someone grabs Nancy from behind, shoves her into the room, and essentially tries to smother her. Yeah, it was that was a very shocking scene. I was like, oh my gosh. And like they literally said in the text, Nancy was at the point of reaching her last gasp and they finally let go. And I was like, holy cow. Yeah. Gnarly. In my electronic version of the book, they had an illustration of it. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of surprised by that one. It's dark. Yeah. Yeah. Once again, it's just action-packed the whole time. Totally. Never a dull moment. Um, Nancy is like a... Nancy's like a cat with nine lives. I swear. (laughs) She really is. She really is. She's like got knocked out. You know, almost suffocated. Yeah. Just like two things out of like everything that's happened. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, geez. Yeah. And (laughs) if George hadn't taken her place, that would have been Nancy that had been drugged and off of the train. So that would have happened too. So, yeah. I mean, it's just a hot mess this whole time. Yep. So, um, let me see. Uh, The woman ended up leaving her coat 
and there was a mask in it, but there were no numbers inside the lining of that mask. Um, so the woman that owned the house, her name was Mrs. Elkin. Um, she ends up realizing after everything's said and done that there was a lot of jewelry that was missing. And uh, Nancy, finally, this was another shining moment for me that I was really excited about. It was at this point that Nancy decided that she wanted to do an analysis of the ink that wrote the numbers inside the lining of the mask. Um, So she determined that it was a rare and expensive garment ink. Okay. So, you know, Nancy being crafty as she is, she decides to ask Linda um, what kind of ink the company that she works for uses. And so Linda shows it to her and it ends up matching. Hmm. How convenient. Yeah, exactly. Very (laughs) convenient. So um, Mr. Leitner, who owns the entertainment company, uh, decides to, air quotes, hire Nancy so that she can freely snoop around And this ends uh, up with Linda getting promptly fired from her job. By Tombar. By Tombar, yeah. So his lame excuse was that she had opened a bottle of the rare ink. And apparently that means you're fired. Yeah. Okay. Bit weird. Yeah, extremely weird and rude once Mm -hmm. again. So, um, since things are kind of sketchy there now, uh, Mr. Leitner decides, you know, it's probably for the best. Nancy doesn't come to work. So that lead ends up going nowhere. Kind of sucks for Nancy. She feels like she's back to square one. Um, so Nancy tries to get Linda her job back. Doesn't really have any luck doing that, but she does get an invitation to the next big party, and she is assured that Tom Barr will not be there, that Mr. Leitner will be there. So it's like, okay, there, maybe there's a little bit of a silver lining at this point. We'll see. So Nancy now decides, you know, the whole lead with working at the entertainment company has kind of come to a close. Might as well circle back to some of these other things that I had looked at. Um, So Nancy goes back to the department store to try to get a status update of um, the credit manager getting all of the cards back from the employees. And he was really no help. He was like, yeah, I mean, collecting them, but it's not going very quickly. He's just like not interested at all. (laughs) Not at all. He's just like, this is too much work for me. I have better things to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, he did say when she first asked him, you know, this is a, a real inconvenience to me. Well, yeah. sorry that I'm trying to solve like multiple robberies. Yeah. Shame on me for trying to help. <laughs> <laughs> and okay. we will get into his business later. Yeah. So he shouldn't talk too quickly. Exactly. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> so at this point, George again is still kind of in her funk. Um, she wants Nancy to abandon the case. She doesn't want Nancy to be involved in it at all. Says that it's extremely dangerous. I mean, I'm kind of getting that vibe with everything that's happened so far. Um, so we end up finding out that the next party is kind of like a lecture. So I guess when they say party for that, maybe they mean like a reception afterwards. Kind of fuzzy with what they mean by party for this one. But 
Um, I'm just going to go with, you know, the idea I had in my brain that it was just a reception after this lecture. Um, and it's taking place at the Clayton house. Um, so Nancy gets the invitation. She walks around outside, kind of checks out the parking area where everyone leaves their cars and she finds someone unconscious again with the same stuff that George was knocked out with. Exactly. Which I was curious. I kind of want to know what they were trying to get with as far as using that or what they were trying to allude to because it was never really mentioned what was used. I know. I was always curious about that. And yeah, they just never, never went anywhere. So anyways, um, you know, Nancy trying to be the good Samaritan that she is, tries to check the guy out. Um, And it's around that time. As soon as she finds this guy, she realizes all the lights went off in the house. Um, The man kind of comes to, he realizes that his wallet was taken and his cards are missing from the wallet, including his invitation to the party. So, of course, the lights went out, means a robbery happened. Um, Later on, after all of that fiasco is over, say that again like they had like the special like a swirl design on the yeah entry tickets they were even trying to do that to outsmart um this gang of thieves and even that didn't work Mm -hmm. so later on and of course tom bar was there yes yes shockingly even though though nancy was (laughs) promised he would not be there yeah had to nose his way in and be there. <laughs> like, not Leave us alone. Yeah. <laughs> not happy about I'm him or whatever. Um, I'm over him. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, so at this point, I mean, Nancy's kind of like grasping at straws, trying to figure out what to do next. Um, Nancy decides that she's going to go back to the department store and she ends up while she's there finding out that another old school friend of hers works there and she tells Nancy and Bess that like an order had gone out um, to all the employees for them to not turn their cards in okay so someone from the inside of that department store is working against Nancy it's abundantly clear now um, so Alice, that's the friend that works there at the department store, decides that she's going to show Nancy and Bess, um, a potential gift that they could buy for Mrs. Marvin and upon further investigation, it ends up being one of the stolen items from that first party at the Hendricks estate. Small world. Mm-hmm. So um, we find out that essentially, I guess you could call him like a inventory stalker kind of person um, by the last name of Snecker had mispriced that particular item. Um, and he's like a horrible employee. Like he misprices things, takes a lot of time off of work. Like that's that's not a good employee. Yeah. The, with the only trade off being that he's efficient. Like that's not. Yeah. Doesn't level out. No. If you have that many issues with an employee, then, you know, need to separate that. Yeah. Um, so 
Nancy ends up finding out where this person lives and ends up talking to his wife. And she is just a blabbermouth and gives away a lot of information about what's going on. Then realizes that she said too much and slams the door in Nancy's face. After she made the comment about like having a better living. (laughs) I'm like, okay, for sure they're in on the plan with Tombar and Snecker. Yeah. What am I saying? She's Snecker's wife. Yeah. Yeah, like she gave away all the information. It was almost like it was the end of a game. And it's the villain giving their speech of why they did what they did and how they did what they did. Yeah, totally. I was like, whoa, it's a lot of information coming out of your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> time for another party. Things went, <laughs> went fine. No robberies <laughs> happened. I was just thinking, this book, Nancy's a freaking party animal, man. <laughs> I know. It really is. I, I couldn't believe it. I was like, whoa, like there's just so many parties happening. And she's like, uh, can I, should I just go? And he's like, yeah, I'll get you an invite. Like, no problem. Yeah. I've never been to this many parties at 18. What <laughs> Nancy do? It's such a short amount of time, too. Yeah. yeah. It makes me want to live in River Heights because it sounds like it's <laughs> happening over there. Yeah, right? All kinds of stuff going on. <laughs> um, so there is... Uh, an amount of time where there are some parties and nothing bad happens, but Nancy's like, we can't let her guard down. Like, it don't do it. There's something going on still. So Nancy continues to try to talk to Tom Barr, and of course he's rude, and she's trying to get Linda her job back, and he said no, of course because he can. I mean, that's essentially it. Like, he doesn't really... He says he has someone else in mind for the job. But other than that, he gives no reason except for just mm. being a mean person. Um, he ends up taking a phone call very rudely and said that someone was trying to sell him a cemetery plot. Yeah, I'm like, what? Kind of weird. Um, but thankfully... The president of the company, Mr. Leitner, had come in and saves the day and ends up firing Tom Barr, like, right in front of Nancy. I know. I was like, whoa, he's got balls, man. I don't know if I can say that, but that was it was a pretty great move. Yeah, it really was. Yeah. It really was. Because in my mind, I'm I'm imagining Mr. Uh, Leitner being, like, an older gentleman. Mm. So, yeah, I, I really enjoyed that part. Totally. Um, so Nancy was able to contact the man who had actually talked to Tom Barr and found out that he wasn't trying to sell Tom Barr a cemetery plot, that this man named Mr. Harris was actually involved in real estate and that apparently Tom Barr owned this, um, inn called the Blue Iris Inn and Mr. Harris saw the potential in the property and wanted him to sell. Kind of an interesting turn of events. Mm-hmm. Um, turns out that Tom Barr has no intention of wanting to sell the property. Um, says that it's out in the country, needs a lot of repairs, um, you know, just doesn't want to part with it. So this gets the gears kind of turning in Nancy's head. And she's thinking, maybe this is where he goes when he takes those long lunches. Maybe something's going on with this piece of property. Mm-hmm. Like they're so, hiding. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, essentially. Like, something's going on there. It's being used for something. Yeah. Um, so, Nancy calls Bess. 
tells her what she wants to do, to do, that she wants to go out to the end, that they should probably keep it under wraps from George because George is still having her moment of wanting Nancy to abandon the case. So Nancy and Bess get up there and they're looking in the windows at the end and they see all these big crates and they're thinking that it's probably stolen goods, mm-hmm. um, which makes sense. So next thing we know, there's another party to go to. And Nancy and Ned end up getting jobs, essentially checking coats. Um, You know, seems like a pretty good cover to kind of keep an eye on all the party goers and see if there's anything suspicious with any of those people's things. So the next thing we know, a British man comes for a women's coat and Nancy's going to retrieve it. And she finds a mask in it. So, yeah. (laughs) So she gets Ned to go and follow him to the basement and poor Ned gets ambushed. (laughs) Poor guy. (laughs) I know. He's there for like five minutes and like that's it. Yeah, I feel bad for him because, you know, he's just trying to protect his girl and the next Mm -hmm. thing you know, he gets clobbered. So, (laughs) um the woman who had the coat ends up being caught by Nancy and she ends up being one of the ones that was involved with drugging George. Cause that was another multi-person, uh, multi-person job trying to, you know, kidnap somebody off of a train and whisk them into a waiting vehicle. Um, Ned Ambrose, and- Ambrose actually thought that Nancy was the, one of the people in the group. Yes. Yeah, that's yeah. true. That's yeah. Nancy gets confused for being part of the, the thieving group, which obviously we know is not true because Nancy would never do something like that. <laughs> Get your head in the game there, Ambrose. Yeah. Yeah. Like she's way too good for that. Yeah. So um, we find out Ned is okay. He's just got some bumps and bruises. Um, but him turning the lights back on at the party was what ended up stopping the woman thief. Um of course, the man who was supposed to be watching the breaker system, because that was something that happened at all these parties, was the lights were cut. Mm-hmm. So at this party, they said, we're going to get ahead of the game. We're going to have somebody guarding the electrical system. Yeah, it didn't work. That person was unconscious. Yeah. Reoccurring theme here. So um, the woman thief gets arrested. She doesn't want to talk. What else is new? Kind of normal. Um, Nancy and Bess decide that they're going to go back to the inn and see if that's where Combar had decided to head. Um, they're looking inside the windows and they realize that he's inside, but all the crates that they had seen previously were gone. Then all of a sudden he opens a trap door in the floor. Mm-hmm. Like, mm. okay. It's not suspicious at all. <laughs> So the girls are still trying to watch what he's doing. And then all of a sudden the Taylor department store truck shows up despite learning earlier that the store was closed that day. And the girls end up getting caught by the gang. So we're in a little bit of a pickle now. Just a little bit. So <clears throat> Mr. Harris ends up showing up and they overhear Tom Barr saying that, yeah, he'll end up selling as long as it's the right price for the inn and as long as it's cash. 
again, not cash like at call. the moment. Yeah. Yes. Cash like on hand. Yeah. So the girls get trapped. And then the next thing we know, they're thrown into the back of the truck and they're whisked off somewhere else, bound and gagged. They have no idea where they're heading. Um, they end up finding a little bit about what was told to George when she was drugged. Uh, essentially, was that if Nancy didn't leave the case, everyone involved would get hurt, including George and Bess and their families. And essentially, everyone's family was going to get hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, so at this point, Ned's trying to find Nancy. Um, they make it to the inn and George finds the button that Nancy very cleverly dropped off of her outfit. Yeah. Nancy always leaving a, a breadcrumb trail because she's smart. Um, so they have to find the, the thieves because, um, you know, everyone thinks that this is going to be the biggest heist yet. Um, Ned decides that he's going to stay behind in case the girls end up getting brought back. You know, at this point, they have no idea where Nancy and Bess are. So Ned decides he's going to stay at the inn in case they decide to circle back and bring the girls back there. And Ned Um, wants a rematch. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, He's ready. (laughs) Honestly, I'd put my money on Ned. Totally. Football player. You don't want to mess with them. Exactly. College football player. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing, though, I would wish that uh, Bert and Dave were there to help him. Oh, that would have been so yeah, good. That would have been good. Yeah. <laughs> no chance that uh, what's-his-name would have prevailed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um... <clears throat> let me see. Uh, oh, and George is getting her oomph back. She's not, like, yeah. acting like Bess anymore. She's starting yeah. to act like herself again. Yeah, I think once she realized how scary the situation was she kind of snapped out of it and became herself again Mm -hmm. um so by this time nancy's freeing herself and she finds a light turns it on and realizes that they are in the shipping area of that taylor department store um nancy finds best quietly and breaks her free because they don't want to you know have any of the thieves come in on them and find them trying to break free from the ropes um the girls start looking in the boxes that are around and find all the stolen goods that were previously taken from all these robberies and um they overhear essentially the plan of the big heist is that the gang was going to rob that department store i mean who knows what they would have gotten away with with it being a department store um nancy gets this brilliant plan she finds like a chemistry set in one of the boxes and she decides that she's going to create some smoke very much uh final scene vibes for me trying to create a diversion um next thing we know uh smoke's going underneath the door the person that's supposed to be guarding them comes in and nancy trips him yeah <laughs> <laughs> i know i was like wow okay i mean you know whatever works yeah it worked in this scenario, so Definitely. might have been simple, but effective nonetheless. So um, I, I would have actually laughed if Nan- instead of Nancy tripping the guy, if she like knocked him out or put like a gag to his mouth, you know, like his, you know, make him go unconscious, like how George and the other guy did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, either way, he got what was coming to him because yeah. the girls ambushed him in return. And so he ended up being tied up. 
Um, and then in comes uh, it, that, excuse me, that ended up being um, Snecker who worked at the department store. His wife ends up coming in. The woman who was dressed um, at the first party in the Oriental outfit, she comes in. They were the ones that were stealing jewelry. Um, and they were currently stealing jewelry in the department store. Um, the police finally make it there. They get everybody except for one man who got away. Um, the night guard at the department store had been bound and was tied up, but he was set free. Um, looking here at my notes. So they start going through who all was in the gang. Um, so obviously it was Snecker, the guy who worked um, as like a stock boy, for lack of a better title. Um, his wife, Florence, her half-sister um, recently had joined the gang and she was arrested. Um, there was this actress woman who um, was part of it. And turns out we find out that Snecker was working closely with Tombar. Um, and Tombar had all this inside information. He was like the ringleader, but he was kind of the one that was sitting there making the plan and then had his minions kind of do all of his dirty work for him. Totally. So, yeah, you know, the bad vibes that we got from the beginning were true. No good. Like, this whole thing was pretty much like a family affair. Yeah. Yeah, it really was. <laughs> I, I was really fascinated that um, uh, Richard Harris was not, you know, in cahoots with him because with when he, uh, when Tombar was yelling at him uh, at the... Uh, whatever that shop that he worked at. And he said, just get out of here. I don't want to hear from you anymore. I actually thought that it was, uh, you know, that it was just one of their co-workers or their hoodlums that was just really messing around and not getting anything done. Yeah. But he was actually just trying to, trying to buy the place. Yeah. Poor guy. I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't realize he was trying to make money off of a thief. Yeah. <laughs> and if the thief, was he actually going to use real money or the fake one? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Who knows at this point? Um, but at this point, everything's falling into place. Um, everybody ends up getting arrested. They make it back to the inn. Ned has his shining moment. He's got Tom Bar in like a chokehold. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, so, uh, you know, he had money hidden at the inn and he was going for that when Ned ambushed him and rightfully so because he deserved it. Um, like I said, all the thieves end up getting caught. All the people that had things stolen from them, uh, all that gets returned to them, even things that had been purchased by someone else, everything makes its way back to its original owner. Um, to thank Nancy for all of her hard work, Mr. Leitner gave her two Egyptian masks, one to wear and one to treasure. And essentially that's that. Like, story is, is complete. Yeah, there you go. Um, Action um, whole time, like whole totally. Time. I found it funny that George was like, if they ever go to a dress up party again, there's one person she does not want to dress up as. Yeah, and that's Nancy Drew. Yeah, that's <laughs> understandable. Besides it being big shoes to fill, like yeah, it's dangerous. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Well, we've Clearly. seen multiple times that you know anyone that dresses up as Nancy Drew is just bound to have something bad happen to them. Yeah. Um, exactly trouble at that point yeah exactly but I, I had to laugh that you know because i've read i haven't read all the nancy drew books but i've read all the hardy boys books and the formula for how each mystery goes and just the writing of the introduction of the characters and who they are the mysteries they've solved and then the you know the exit paragraph i guess of each book is 
it's just all exactly the same. Each book ends with a, a sort of joke, and um, they're always saying, you know, I wonder when the next mystery will come along, and then they'll be like, well, there will be one soon, and it's called this. And it was just, it's so funny how that that same formula started all the way back. I think because I think the Hardy Boys started in 29. 1929 and um that sounds about right yeah yeah and it just they just kept going with that formula when nancy drew started and that yeah, was pretty cool yeah i mean clearly it's a formula that works considering mm-hmm. it's still relevant to this day <laughs> well they were putting out you know sometimes two of those books a year you know when it was just starting out and that's that's a lot you know to put yeah. out two books a year and uh, I guess if you count the Hardy Boys, it could be between two and four books a year, you know, which is insane. But yeah, I mean, obviously different authors, but still. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, very, very similar in writing style and mm-hmm. archetypes and things of that nature. And, and totally. Formula, like you said, um, yeah. All very similar, but all very effective nonetheless. Exactly. Yeah, definitely. So, but I mean, that's, that was essentially it. Uh, I told Alexa earlier this so far, we haven't read that many books together, but so far this one's my favorite. Mm, no, it was, yeah, I, I really liked it. I mean, it did start to get a little bit repetitive with the, the amount of parties that Nancy was going to, but, um, but again, each one offered something new to the case. So it, it made sense. Yep. Yep. We were adding to the story bit by bit. Yeah. One. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's the story for this week. Um, I found it interesting cause I actually, I didn't read, I'm one that likes to actually read the books, like hold them, flip the pages and all that kind of stuff. When I got to the very end, it, sometimes it'll like advertise like other books or like the games. And at the end it showed trail of the twister. Really? Oh, interesting. Yeah. Wow. So you must be reading a really recent copy then. I don't know if you guys could. Oh, I don't think you. Oh, guys I saw. Could. I saw it for a second there. I saw it for a second. There it is. Yeah. There you go. Oh wow, that's hilarious. And Candace. And this is a, a lead way a little bit for you, Candace, because we're next week. We're talking about a game, but I'll let Candace get into that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's our, our schedule for next week is to play Trail of the Twister and then discuss it. Um, but since we've got you here, I've got one more quick question for you, Hugh. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I feel like this game in particular, I feel like there are other games that are kind of hot takes, but I feel like this one is one as well. Feels like the fandom is kind of half and half. Not a lot of middle ground. You either really, really like Trail of the Twister or you really can't stand it. Kind of curious as to where you fall. Yeah, Trail of the Twister is actually my least favorite of the Nancy Drew games. And it's just, I just personally think that it's just a quite a, quite a dry story. Uh, I'm not a big fan of interacting with all the characters. Uh, the puzzles aren't my favorite. Um, you know, some of the locations are like, you know, visually nice, but they're also very small. Uh, there's no real like exploration you got to do, which is kind of dis- um, disappointing for me. But I also, you know, that being said, I think that it has one of the best soundtracks in in the whole series. I think I just love that style of music, and uh, Kevin Matthew did an amazing job writing that score. Um, 
uh, yeah, that's about, that's really about as. I mean, I like the cover art too, but that's about as far as as it goes for me. Okay. But. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me that you say it's your least favorite because I think a lot of people that have issues with that game, their main issue is that it's not a lot of actual investigating. It's a lot of just doing chores every day. Yeah. Well, I'm not. I'm not so annoyed about the chores. I just think like part of me was just like the story was just weird um because i just don't get i don't know it just didn't, it didn't seem like it was too dramatic enough to be nancy drew worthy like a guy messing with storm equipment like that just yeah that just didn't i don't know i just i, I think because of the game before and the game after and again i'm not a huge fan of waverly academy either but at least you've got this mysterious student who's sending like these death threats or not death threats but these threats to other students and all of a sudden bad things are happening and one by one they're starting to just fall off the map like that's terrifying in a boarding school um and then you know shadow of the water's edge i don't even have to speak about how scary that one is um and so you know i just think trailer twister for me was just like a bit of a it was just sort of a misfire but but again i i, I say all this too it was made by the original her interactive dev team and so i have to like it because of that uh especially when comparing to mid which was not at all that um but yeah that's that's my thoughts yeah totally understandable i really just feel like if you want to get a nancy drew fan flustered yeah <laughs> the twister yeah, no, that's totally fair. I mean, yeah, it's it is it is one of those middle of the road games for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, Alexa, do you have anything else? No. Okay. Uh, we were just going to give you this opportunity, Hugh, to plug all of your social media and your website <laughs> so that everybody can go and check you out if they haven't already. So. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm on a. I used. I, I'm still on Twitter, but I never use Twitter anymore. So don't bother with that. Uh, but I'm on Instagram at ND Walkthroughs. I'm on YouTube at Nancy Drew Walkthroughs, and my website is www.ndwalkthroughs.ca. Um, yeah, I just today recorded the painfully recorded the walkthrough for Codes and Clues. Painfully, not in the sense that it was a bad game, but tech issues were like left and right and it was just the most stressful thing so that's coming soon um and that's really all that i can think of off the top of my head okay that sounds great um yeah. i think we have the capability of actually linking all of that stuff uh mm. in the description on our instagram so we will to the best of our abilities do that excellent uh, thank you either one of us are tech people um so we will do the best that we can <laughs> no problem <laughs> um but other than that um if you don't have anything else i will go ahead and um finish us out so thank you everyone for listening to this week's episode of river heights buzz podcast you can check us out on Instagram at River Heights Buzz, or you can email us at riverheightsbuzz at gmail.com, or you can check out our Facebook group. Um, check us out next week as we dive into Nancy Drew game number 22, Trail of the Twister. Thanks, guys. Thank Thanks you so much, again guys. for joining us. No, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. <laughs>